So my senior year of high school, I did a play. Now, for those of you who may know me, know my story, I had a lot of concussions in high school. I had four of them. So that's why my senior year I was not allowed to play basketball, my favorite sport. So instead I did the winter comedy play. And I mean, I guess like the only like benefit now looking back is you could kind of call me like the Troy Bolton, like doing the drama thing and the basketball thing at the same time. Um, but anyways, I, so I did the play and I had fun doing it. I had one line and so that was a big perk about it. Um, but everyone welcomed me in. Everybody in this uh, comedy welcomed me in. They did view me as the jock who chose to do sports because in their minds, anyone who did a sport was a jock. That's not true for my cross-country figure-esque, but I did get called a jock. And so they would ask me questions, and they would ask me about my story, about like why I chose to do a play, I told them about all the concussions and stuff. Um, and as we got to know each other, we got to talking about what was your upbringing like? What was everything like? And eventually, I just was like, okay, I, I'm a Christian. What are you guys' thoughts of that? And most of them were like, well, I, I don't care. I don't believe in Jesus, but it's whatever. Um, and then I asked one particular individual the same question. What do you think of me being a Christian? And their response was, well, I don't know. It depends. Are you going to hate us like every other Christian that interacts with us? I was like, wow. And something I didn't tell you all really intentionally was, I was one of five people in a 30 production play that didn't identify in the LGBTQ community. Um, so you could probably see why this person asked me this question. Um, and I was super surprised to hear this because up until this point, I was thinking, you know, whoa, Christians are not supposed to be like that. We're supposed to love everybody. Why are you seeing just hatred? Um, and so I, all I could say was, listen, I'm sorry for however, uh, you had to feel that way, however, whoever made you feel that way, but there's no way I will ever show you hatred. I'm only here to show you love. Um, but it really shocked me. It was shocking to see that even though I believe Christianity was true, I believe everything about it was the truth that led us to hope, um, people could feel just so much hatred. Um, and so, you know, this, in, this individual and I would continue to talk. We, you know, kept a friendship and everything. We'd go out to coffee. Um, and they were pretty straightforward with me. And it was for two specific reasons. Because um, I would ask them, like, why don't you want to follow Jesus? And they would say, well, why would I believe in a religion that hates me for who I am? And why would I follow a God who cares what I do with my sexuality? So that's the common objection that we hear, is why does God care about my sexuality? Um, we looked at the evidence for Christianity so far. We have looked that Jesus himself, God Almighty, is a Savior who sent himself for us. But as I look at this question from my friend, some people just don't want to follow God, believe it or not. Um, and here's the other thing. You cannot convince some people that Christianity is true. And even if you do, they couldn't care less. So it brings up a good point. Christianity may be true, but what about some of these hard objections? Especially when we talk about sexuality, we need to hunker down and understand what we're doing. Because here's the thing, the right answer does matter. We need to always provide the truth. But if we only care about truth rather than the person, we miss the point. So 
we need to try our best to reach the person that's asking this question wherever they're at. So let's jump in. Um, also, for starters, before we talk about this, we talked about sexuality back in March during our dating series. And a lot of that was how do we pursue holy sexuality, not what is sexuality, and how do we interact with it in God. And today, we're going to address why God cares about sexuality. And more importantly, we're going to be understanding and addressing why he cares about our sexuality, our personal sexuality, when it comes to everybody. And when we say sexuality, we're talking about topics like gender op- um, Gender orientation and expression, which is basically how does one identify with their gender? Or, and sexual orientation, how does someone feel towards another sex? Um, and lastly, it's just basic sexuality, like not having sex before marriage and things like that as a Christian. So that's why we look at Psalm 139, because it tells us two different things. The first one is, it talks about how God created us. It talks about God created us. And the second one is he knows everything about me. Psalm 139 talks about how God created us and how he knows everything about me, which should indicate to all of us that if he's the one that created us, he gets to dictate our design. And he gets to dictate our identity, our gender, and our sexuality from birth. And knowing that he's a good God means that he also designed these things and they're perfect and they're super good how he designed them. And we should totally celebrate that a good God wants us to be safe and wants us to feel loved how we were originally created to be. And so if God created us perfectly just the way we are, we should know that he did it because he wants a relationship with us. He loves us so much and he wants us to know that he cared so much to create us so carefully. So let's jump in. Psalm 139, verses 1 through 6 says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. I love this psalm. It is a beautiful, beautiful psalm. And just the first six verses that we read talks about how God knows everything about me, for he knows everything. God knows everything about me, for he knows everything. So in that first verse, it says that he has known me. That means he has a previous knowledge of who I am. It's, a, it's also a relational kind of knowledge. It's kind of like how if I know everything about my best friend versus if I know everything about history. With my best friend, I spend time with them. I get to know them in a relational context. History is just a lot of facts. It's a lot of intellectual. Although I love both of these things, I clear, one of them is clearly different from the other. Um, and it's all relational for God. I mean, God does know everything, and we'll jump into that in just a second, but God knows us relationally. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you, or I set you apart. God has known us from all time. He relationally knows us. And that also, verses 2 through 6, kind of points to the rest of it, how God knows everything, which points to the fact that if he knows everything— we don't know everything. If God created us, that means we come after him, and we do not know everything. Although we like to try to know everything, um, we just don't. And it's actually very beautiful that we don't, because 
if we serve an almighty God who knows everything, we can leave it in his power and his control that however he designs things, whatever he knows, kind of is the way it should go. And in fact, the smartest person in the whole world only knows 2% of all the world's information. 2%. That is extremely small. And it shows that if there's an almighty God, which we have proven in the weeks prior, he is all-knowing. And because he is all-knowing, his, wisdoms, his wisdom and decisions should guide how I view certain topics, including sexuality. And when it comes to sexuality, even if we disagree with what the Bible says, and even if we disagree how God designed things, his knowledge for what he created means that it's the best thing for us. And since he knows everything about sexuality, he knows how it can go wrong and how it can hurt people and how it should not be taken out of its confines. So we know that God knows everything um, because he knows everything, and we should take comfort in that. Um, and also, before I know everyone's going to get mad at this, if he made everything and if he knows everything, um, how he knows you and your specific gender that he gave you at birth or how he knows you and how he designed uh, your sexual orientation to be at birth. Um, God did not make a mistake. He did not make a mistake when he made you the way he initially did. He created you so specifically and so perfect. And I need you to hear that. There's nothing wrong with how you were originally created. God did it for a reason. So, Let's read verses 7 through 12. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is bright as the day. For darkness is as light with you. So the first thing that we talked about is God knows everything about me because he knows everything. And the second thing is God knows everything about me for he is everywhere. And no matter where you go, he's going to be right there with you. And now this is not a creepy stalker thing. He is not just like, hey, I'm right here with you. Hey, I'm right here with you. No, he's everywhere in a very com uh, comforting way. It's the type of thing like if I'm lonely, if I'm doing well, no matter what, God's always there with you. He's your biggest supporter. He's the biggest shoulder to cry on. He's always there with you. God wants to be with you. And that's, we can talk about that because it talks about that with heaven and Sheol. And when it talks about heaven and Sheol, that is talking about how he will be there even in the lightest and amazing places or the darkest and most wretched places. And in addition to that, he will lead and guide you. He won't just be there in presence. He'll hold your hand through the darkest places. He will hold your hand through the lightest of light places because it's a relationship with he, that, what he wants. Not just a presence of like, hey, just letting you know I'm right here. Don't mess up. I'm right here. Just know I'm right here. It's a comforting hand of guiding. And because he created you, he wants that relationship with you. And you should take comfort in that. I don't know how many times I can say that in this one message. You should take comfort in that. Because the God of the universe who created everything wants a specific relationship with each individual one of you. No matter what happens to you. I probably have told this story before, but as I was exiting high school... I had messed up a ton. I just 
especially in terms of like my sexuality and sexual immorality, I was a wreck. Um, and for me, I felt like I was way too far gone. I felt like God had called me to vocational ministry, but at the same time, I thought like God was revoking it because I had just messed up way too much. And it was in that moment that people came around me, but also God reached out to me. He pursued me, pursued me at my worst. And now looking back, God wanted to use everything about my brokenness to help people, or youth like you, to help other people see that God works with people who are broken. And now I don't think God wanted me to mess up, not at all. But even in the mess, he still loved me. It's the same way that he pursued the prodigal son. Even if you run far away from him, he's going to run and pursue after you because he's everywhere and he wants to be everywhere with you because it's relationship. Verses 13 through 16. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret or in the womb, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So God knows everything about me because he knows everything. God knows everything about me for he's everywhere. And God knows everything about me for he is the one who created me. Our identity, our gender, our sexual orientation, everything about our sexuality is rooted around the narrative that God created all of us perfectly, just the way we are. The way he created you in your mother's womb is perfect because God's the one that knits you together. And most importantly, we are all beloved. He doesn't hate you. He doesn't want to get rid of you. Just because you said, just because you might have been a boy at birth and then now you want to be a girl, he doesn't want to say, oh, whatever. He wants to love you in passionate relationships still because he's our father and he pursued every single one of us. He loves every single one of us because he created us. And Jesus shows that he, creates, he cares about all creation. Jesus came down in the form of a, of a human man, but first he was an embryo. He was in his mother's womb. God created the human form of Jesus. God, Jesus was already God. Let's not speak heresy here. But Jesus eventually became a human and was knit together in his mother's womb as a human. And so therefore we can know we are not accidents, but masterpieces of God's creation. That's what it means to be intricately woven together in your mother's wombs. He did it with such precision. It wasn't just like, let's take a bunch of blobs and just throw them together. No, he intricately puts you together because he's our sovereign Lord. He's the ruler of all the earth and he's our father who loves us so much. Oftentimes, people say, okay, well, if he made me perfectly, then how come he doesn't live out my gender how I want to? How come he doesn't let me live out my gender how I want to be identified as? Well, there's a few reasons why. And I felt like it'd be perfect to bring up my little son here because my wife and I are having a boy, and I've gotten to see him in ultrasounds and stuff, and it's really cool. Um, my son, he is a boy. I'm not going to explain why he's a boy, but there's a very specific reason why he's a boy, okay? And we've gotten to see it on ultrasounds. And before you get all weird about it, I'm just saying, 
it's really darn cool that before I even got, yeah, I get it. I get it's weird. Just a minute, just a minute, hold out. Before, I shouldn't have even said it, you're right. Before I even saw that, though, he was a boy before he, we even conceived him. He was a boy 20 years ago. He was a boy before all time because God ordained that to happen. Because God doesn't make mistakes. God creates us with such precision. And I can show you how it's very like, precise. Uh, for example, just the science of how children are developed in the mother's womb. You start out as a very microscopic cell. Before that, even, you're microscopic in the sense that you can't see anything about it. And then eight weeks into the pregnancy, you're about the size of a coffee bean. I actually have a picture of this, okay? So there's the size of a coffee bean. There's times, regular, 12.5. That's what you have to do all your essays in. There's a grain of rice. It's blown up. And then you see that, like, thing in the very, very center, that little, little tiny dot that you can hardly even see. No, it's even smaller than a grain of salt. It's even more smaller than that, that cell. That's how small the sperm and the egg are before they become conceived. And then in just eight short weeks, they multiply astronomically to be the size of a coffee bean. And then four weeks later, at week 12, the baby is the size of a plum. Which it goes from, shh, listen, it goes from the size of that big to about that big in four weeks. And then in eight more weeks, it goes to the size of about a banana, which is about that big. That big. Listen, shh. God creates us super specifically. In our mother's womb, he wove us together. As we're talking right now, God is weaving my son together in Olivia's womb, okay? And it's beautiful, and it's specific, and it has purpose. God did not make a mistake in making my son a boy. And he also didn't make any sort of mistake when talking about anyone's gender. And that's not something that people love hearing. And sometimes it's really hard to wrestle with. And that kind of brings us to Psalm 139, verses 17 through 18. It says, How precious to me are, you, are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. God cares so much about you, even if you disagree with everything I said, that, no, I want to be a different gender, or no, I have this sexual um, attraction to the same sex, whatever it may be, maybe you totally disagree with me. That's okay. God still has room to love you so, so much room. And he wants to love you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. Because if the God of the universe recognizes you and created you, he chose to create you. It wasn't just an accident. It was a choice that he made because he loves you so much. Really quick question. How many of you guys seen the new Guardians of the Galaxy movie? Like all seven of you. I won't give that many spoilers away. I won't give that many spoilers. But in this movie, in this movie, there's this idea that the high evolutionary, which is kind of like the bad guy in this movie, is trying to create 
um, these, these worlds where he can control his creations. He takes animals and he just like creates them into being and everything. And he, he's trying to make a perfect planet where there's no evil or no problems. And all he hopes for is that the creatures remember who created them, which is the high evolutionary. And very quickly, if you're a Christian watching this, maybe you're like, yeah, I can tell that this world isn't perfect because, like, God didn't create it. And then even though, like, our world is broken, we still have a God who's taking care of it. Um, and, yeah, you're just never going to get it right. But it points to something super critical in this movie. All the high evolutionary desires is for his creation to recognize who created them. And he wants them to live how he designed them to live. The same thing goes for our God. He wants a relationship with you. He wants you to recognize who created you. He wants you to be who he designed you to be because he designed you and loves you so much. And let me tell you, he's worth following over this high evolutionary guy all day, every day, or any other person who tries to give you self-worth or value. One, the high evolutionary is not real, and that's why you shouldn't follow that. <laughs> but also, you also shouldn't follow some people trying to give you value or worth because they're not the God of the universe. Yet the God of the universe created you. And here's the other thing in the movie that happens. Every time that the high evolutionary creates a world that he doesn't like or they're not recognizing him, he just gets rid of it. He says, well, you know what? They don't want to recognize me. I'm done with them. But that's not who our God is. Our God is a very patient God. Our God is a God who loves and cares for you. And even if you totally disagree with everything I said tonight, even if you disagree that your sexual orientation should be how you decide it to be, how your gender orientation or identity or expression should be, and you disagree with me, God is still patient with you. God still wants relationship with you. I'd be a hypocrite up here saying that God is not patient because he was super patient with me. And he's super patient with every single one of you. So, at youth group, at this specific youth group, if you're not struggling with this at all, you need to ask yourself the question, am I willing to be patient with other people that might be struggling with this? Am I willing to walk alongside those who are struggling with their identity? And even if you disagree with everything I said, would you even consider wanting to be in relationship with the God who created you? And maybe it's not gender orientation. Maybe it's not sexual attraction. But maybe you're trying to put your identity in something else that's not going to fulfill you. And only the God of the universe who created you will fulfill you.